Yeah, it's meself. Who else would it be at this time of the day? Thursday's programme about to begin. The 7th of October 2021. It's me, your BBG. How are you? Let's do Thursday's show. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen show. Live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, until very recently, Danielle Nolay was a nurse. 20 years a nurse serving in the medical field. She's quit her job because of the vaccine mandate. This, of course, is in the United States of America. Danny is known as Nurse Danny. She'll join the programme this hour to talk about that. I don't think you'll want to miss her. And a little bit later on in the programme, I'll be delighted to be joined by Judge Dr. Rui Costa from Portugal. An extraordinary man. I saw a video on YouTube very recently, I think taken in Lisbon, as the judge, this judge, stood in front of police officers and warned them not to assault not to threaten, not to hit a man who didn't have a mask on his face or a face nappy. Until recently, Dr. Judge Dr. Rui Costa was a magistrate in the town of Odimira. Not anymore. He is suing the Portuguese government for its response to COVID lockdowns and for ignoring genuine alternatives to dealing with COVID. So I can't wait to join, uh, for him to join us a bit later on, before that nurse, Danny, Danielle Nolay. That will be... The, the the basis of Thursday's programme. That's the gist of it. You and me till seven o'clock. How was your day? Tell me. Go to my website, richieallen.co.uk and comment live. And it's live. Do it there. So the BBC then decided, didn't it, that it's going to go after ivermectin. Ivermectin is a tablet that's been around for a long time. And many, many, many doctors, excuse me, it's a medicine that has been around for a long time. It is anti-parasitic qualities. There are doctors around the world who swear by its antiviral properties. Hang on. This is happening too often. Hang on. Yeah, be jeepers. <clears throat> oh, God. Frog in my throat. Dirty-minded scallywags. Let's do that again. I've not even been eating. I don't eat for more than an hour before I come on air. But anyway, bit of a frog in the throat there. The BBC going after ivermectin. We know it's a medicine, antiparasitic. Doctors around the world, they believe it's got antiviral qualities. And they have been using it around the world to treat COVID patients. Many thousands of doctors have said, well, it's very, 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 very good. But as you know, the FDA in the United States and the UK medical authorities have said that it's no good. You shouldn't use it. Don't use it. Don't use it. But the BBC has stepped in here. And today, the BBC claimed that it, the BBC, can reveal that there are serious errors in a number of key studies that ivermectin is good for COVID. There are a number of serious errors in some of these studies that the drugs promoters have relied upon. So the BBC said this morning, we, the BBC, can reveal that more than one third of 26 major trials of the drug for use on COVID have serious errors or signs of potential fraud. 
none of the rest show convincing evidence of ivermectin's effectiveness. That's according to the BBC, and they cite a guy called Dr Kyle Sheldrick, one of the group investigating the studies. Who the hell is Dr Kyle Sheldrick? I don't know. But I would like you to listen to this. It is BBC News Channel this afternoon. An investigation has found more than one third of major studies into the drug ivermectin to treat COVID have serious errors or even signs they might have been faked. The drug was initially seized upon by desperate governments across Latin America, South Africa and India when no vaccine was available. But more recently, it's been taken up as a drug of choice by anti-vax campaigners, including here in the UK. Well, let's talk to Imran Ahmed. Imran is chief executive of the Centre for Countering Digital Hate, and he joins us now from Washington, D.C. Um, thank you very much, Imran Ahmed, for, for joining us today. Tell us about this study and what it's found. And, and in a sense, what prompted it? Hmm... Hang on a second. You've done your intro. It's a big preamble about how the ivermectin studies are flawed. And your expert is... Imran is chief executive of the Centre for Countering Digital Hate. What? Imran is chief executive of the Centre for Countering Digital Hate. Just in case we didn't hear it. Imran is chief executive of the Centre for Countering Digital Hate. What kind of fuckery is We will come back to Imran. Anyway, Imran, tell us about the studies. Well, the study was done, in short, to check whether or not the spurious studies being done into ivermectin, which is a horse dewormer that has picked up some speed in certain circles in the United States in particular, but actually in Latin America and other countries in the world where there are weak central health authorities and where there's weak trust in the government's pronouncements on health as a potential cure for COVID, it's been pushed by some of the some of the disinformation dozen, 12 individuals at the Center for Countering Digital Hate has identified as being behind two thirds of all disinformation. Hang on a second now. The BBC have introduced a story about how studies which have claimed ivermectin is useful in treating COVID, that those studies are flawed. They've brought on a guy called Imran Ahmed, the chief executive officer of Countering, the Centre for Countering Digital Hate. And he's going off on a big merry, he's going off on a big meandering stroll down the path of we've got disinformation people on the internet saying this and that. Hang on a second. You were brought on to talk about the science behind the failure of the ivermectin studies which claimed that the drug is indeed good enough for treating COVID. Do you see what's going on here? ...on social media platforms. And what this study did was look at whether or not any of the the now clinical studies that are being tried out on ivermectin were kosher or not. Turns out they weren't, unsurprisingly, because they were really, those studies and those initial looks as as to whether or not ivermectin could work were driven by internet rumours. But they weren't driven by internet rumours. Those studies were conducted by scientists, real scientists, actual honest-to-God and sunny Jesus scientists. They weren't conducted by Uncle Mikey, who was just convinced that ivermectin works and then took ivermectin and then published a paper on it. These are genuine studies by real scientists. 
And who are you again? We had, um, I think, one of the um, uh, reporters, uh, this is uh, uh, academics in Iran, saying that their, their, their work is fine as far as they're concerned. But we did have interesting one that the, the authors of a Lebanese study saying that they, they acknowledge the errors they're trying to correct them, but they don't actually know how the errors got into... Listen to that mumbling piece of shit BBC television presenter mumbling through the fact that a, that, that a university in Tehran said, we've reviewed our own data, ivermectin is good, we stand by our findings. Um, uh, reporters, uh, this is uh, 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 academics in Iran saying that their, their, their work is fine as far as they're concerned, but we did have interesting... Uh, but, but, but we did, no, 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 let's stay with the University of Tehran or the scientists there saying that they stand over their claims that ivermectin works. Then he moves on to some Lebanese study and the guy from... Countering digital hate doesn't like this. Interesting. Well, the, the, the authors of a Lebanese study saying that they, they acknowledge the errors they're trying to correct them, but they don't actually know how the errors got into their report. So the Lebanese study says, well, we, we believe that ivermectin is bang on. It's good for, for, for COVID. We're, we're struggling to find out where these errors came from in our report. Well, the arsehole from the Centre for Countering Digital Hate, he doesn't like this one bit. Well, I, I'm not here to talk about whether or not any you know, bonkers research being done uh, around the world is... What? You're not here to talk about any bonkers research being done around the world? What would you know about it? Oh, I'm only dying to tell you who this guy is, but I'm saving that for the big reveal in a moment. This guy, Imran Ahmed. How do you know it's bonkers? In Tehran and in Lebanon. How do you know that the thousands of doctors in the United States who have treated people with ivermectin are wrong? Let's hear more from this guy. Is right or not, and I'm certainly not doing methodological analysis of, of of what's being done to try out a bonkers remedy. I mean, sure. he's not going to do a methodological analysis of a bonkers remedy. But what are you here for then? What are you doing on the BBC if it's not to explain why you think that the studies that found ivermectin is effective are in fact false? What are you doing then? Sure, I know. I, but the reason I read, the reason I asked you about it is because. It is odd to find a situation where scientists who conduct research and publish it subsequently say, well, look, it's very odd. Somebody has been doing something to our research. Yes, well, it's very odd indeed. Finally, the BBC guy kind of half does his job. By golly, isn't it very odd that scientists do research, extensive research on ivermectin? These are genuine people. These are not bought and paid for or owned by anybody. They've done their studies. They found that ivermectin is good. And now they're saying, Jesus, it seems like our research is being interfered with. Isn't that strange? Try out a bonkers remedy. I mean, sure, I know. I, for the, reason I read, the reason I asked you about it yeah? is because... It is odd to find a situation where scientists who conduct research and publish it subsequently say, well, look, it's very odd. Somebody has been doing something to our research. And that must trouble you as well. Yeah. Well. No. Well, thankfully, it's been caught. And that's, you know, the point of science and the way that scientific mm. research is conducted. Is what do you mean, thankfully, it's been caught? That's not the question he asked you. He said, don't you find it odd that these scientists have done these studies properly? They've used scientific methodology and reasoning. And now they're saying, Jesus, what's happened? We, we, we do believe ivermectin is safe. Somebody is messing with our studies. But then the guy gives it away. And they're saying, well, gosh, there's even fundamental mistakes. I mean, they, they made adding mistakes. Uh, no, they didn't. Uh, you know, the sort of stuff that you would not make if you're a high school science student, let alone someone claiming to 
to, to, to come forward with a solution for billions of people because COVID, you know, for all the sort of the hilarity that there has been over people taking a horse dewormer and inserting it into their gastrointestinal tract um, from both directions, yes. um, that, there ha- that this is a serious matter. Of Millions of people died of COVID. And what this seeks to do is undermine the, the seriousness of COVID, to undermine faith in vaccines and to say that doctors can't be trusted. And so it's desperately important mm. that we make sure that when we're talking about these studies, we make it clear they were based on internet rumours and gosh golly, they've been proven to be utter nonsense. No, nonsense, he says. They were not based on internet rumours. These were genuine scientists in genuine universities who found that ivermectin is effective and safe for treating COVID. Gosh golly. Who says gosh golly in 2021? I suppose the sort of person who says whoops the daisies. Let's go back to this guy. Who is this guy again? Imran is chief executive of the Centre for Countering Digital Hate. He's the chief executive of the Centre for Countering Digital Hate, which is a non-governmental organisation that studies online hate and misinformation and provides solutions for countering online hate and disinformation. Including, this is their own website now, including medical misinformation and climate denial. The Centre for Countering Digital Hate goes after medical misinformation and climate denial. And what about this guy Imran Ahmed? Well, this guy's just a regular... This guy was the senior political advisor to the Shadow Foreign Secretary Hillary Benn back in 2012 for a few years. He's a Labour Party advisor, okay? He also worked with Angela Eagle when she was trying to become Labour leader. She failed. Jeremy Corbyn won the leadership, didn't he? Before that, he worked for Merrill Lynch. He's a, he's an investment banker and he worked as a strategy consultant for the first nine years of his career. What an absolute shit wombles the BBC is. To put out a story claiming that there are doubts about the legitimacy of studies that claim that ivermectin is safe and rather than bring on some of the scientists who did the fucking studies or any scientist, they bring on a scumbag like Imran Ahmed. A scumbag. And it's personal with me. Because this scumbag has come after me and this programme in the past. Him and his pals at Hope Not Hate in London. Scum. Going on the BBC talking about uh, scientists casting aspersions on the, on the, 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 the credibility of scientists all over the world and doctors who have said, we've used this thing. Now, are you asking me, do, do I know that ivermectin? Of course, I don't know that it works. I don't. I've never taken it. But I've spoken to people who've taken it. I've heard from doctors who've got nothing to gain by saying they prescribed it and it worked. Wow. That was the BBC this afternoon. Let's quickly move on. Scottish football fans going to the game in Hamden Park in Glasgow on Saturday where the Scots host Israel in a World Cup qualifier will not be asked to show their Covid passport but they are being asked to bring it anyway. They won't be turned away if they don't have it. 
but they are being asked to bring it because they are going to do spot checks on people to see if they have the COVID passport, which in Scotland goes into full operation on the 18th of October. That's when they start to enforce it. Oh, Scottish football fans. And schools in Cambridgeshire or Cambridgeshire have been told to, to reintroduce face coverings. Their children in Cambridgeshire, which is a fairly large area, have been asked to start wearing face masks again. Nadim Zahawi, the former vaccine minister, was on television this morning and radio saying that it is a contingency plan to ask children to start wearing masks again in schools. We did say, didn't we, that none of this would ever go away. And Finland has joined Denmark and Sweden in pausing the use of the Moderna jab in younger males over fears of a cardiovascular side effect. That's according to multiple sources this afternoon. Mika Salmanen, or Mika Salmanen, the director of the Finnish Health Institute said that Finland would instead give the Pfizer vaccine to men born in 1991 and later. How about not giving them any jabs at all, eh? How about leaving them the hell alone, eh? Eh? Okay, this is your Richie Allen radio show. It is live. So much to talk about today. The Richie Allen Show features doctors, scientists, academics and researchers who have been banned by the legacy media. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at richieallen.co.uk. Ah, James O'Brien of LBC. You wonder where Ofcom is. You wonder where Ofcom is. Ofcom is the body that regulates broadcast media in the UK. Where is it? James O'Brien was delighted this morning to hear from a disabled woman who needs care and is struggling to get it as often as she needs it. This is a wheelchair-bound lady. She came on to suggest, this lady came on O'Brien's programme, and said one of the issues we have in the UK is that UK-born Young men and women, young men and women born in the UK are not as streetwise as their overseas counterparts. Too much of a focus on university and degrees and third level education. And the life skills, the practical skills are not as good, as sharp as the overseas, as the Europeans. And subsequently or consequently, our younger men and women are not quite as mature as those kids overseas. Now, whether this woman is right or wrong, whether she's generalising or not, it doesn't matter. James O'Brien was delighted because he learned that this woman voted for Brexit in 2016. Bear in mind now, she told him she was disabled and relying on care. Let's listen in. She's giving examples of where the foreign young men and women are a bit more mature, but O'Brien can't wait to jump in bring up Brexit and insult the woman and everyone else. Brexit won't necessarily, hopefully, uh, stop uh, ingress from, from, from Jamaica, although, of course, the, the Windrush story might have made some people a little less keen, keen to come. Uh, leaving out words like wicked and, and macro and, and Putin... Oh, if, Putin if who, no, hang on, hang on. Hang, I just want to know what you thought was going to happen when you, when you uh, whether consciously or not, got into bed with all the racists. Ah. I want to know... I mean, whether you consciously or not got in... What did you think was going to happen when you consciously or not got into bed with all the racists? What does the lady say back to him? I didn't... I I, I didn't realise that 
You saw the posters. So you you know what people like Nigel Farage are made of. You knew exactly who you were getting into bed with. What did you think was going well, to happen? No, listen. Let me give you another example of, of I'd how rather you just answer, I'd rather you just answer my question. I don't, I don't want to sound robust. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a practical example about okay. money. Over, the, over last weekend, when there was a problem of getting carers, they were upping their offer to £15 an hour if somebody mm. would cover some calls. And nobody came forward. No, because they aren't there. But you haven't answered my question. When you started marching alongside people like Nigel Farage, where did you think you were going to end up? Sorry, say that again? When you started marching alongside people like Nigel Farage, where did you think you were going to end up? I never marched alongside Nigel Farage. You marched into the ballot. You you did. You you marched into the same side of the referendum as him. What what did you think was (coughs) going to happen to all the foreigners? He wasn't my leader. Thank you very much. I'm not a a Farage fan. Well, okay, But you did put your cross in the box, marked down with foreigners. You did put your cross in the box marked down with foreigners. Did you see that box, dear, dear listener? Did you see that box back in June 2016 when you were handed the ballot paper at the primary school? Did you see that box? Did you see that down with foreigners option? Because I didn't. I haven't voted in a parliamentary election or a local election since 2002, but I did go and vote in the Brexit thing for the hell of it. And the question was fairly simple. It was on the ballot paper. It read, should the United Kingdom remain a member of the European Union or leave the European Union? Pretty straightforward. There was no downward foreigner box. O'Brien, eh? Eh? No, I didn't. It was was more about worrying about federalism and where um, where Germany and France were taking the EU, which I see as a collapsing institution. What a patronising bastard he is, huh? She's making an argument here. No, I didn't care about foreigners, really. I was worried about where the European Union was going. And I didn't like it, so I voted to leave. No, I didn't. It was, it was more about worrying about federalism and where, um, right. where Germany and France were taking the EU, which okay. I see as a collapsing institution. Yeah, it's looking awful from here. Uh, killing all those pigs, uh, getting the army in to deliver petrol. Who'd want to be yeah, in Germany know, or France? I know, so I, I just, I'm going to ask you one more time. With, with regard terrible, to immigration, when you voted for Brexit, what did you think no, was going to happen? No, I wasn't. That, the immigration thing was not on my agenda. What it did was you think was going to what did you vote. What did you think was going to happen, though? Before she answers the question, don't accuse me of being a hypocrite. I'm all for free speech, completely, 100% free speech. You heard me last night on the programme. I don't want O'Brien to be denied the rights to carry on like this. Let O'Brien carry on like this if he wants. I want Ofcom to step in and to fine him for it and to punish him for it, for lying pathologically on his radio programme, day in, day out, for bullying and harassing people like that woman who made it very clear, I have nothing to do with Nigel Farage. I didn't march anywhere. I'm in a wheelchair. I don't like federalism. I don't like the fact that the UK has got to get get permission from 26 other countries to do a trade deal. I don't like the fact that the European Union wants its own army. I don't like the fact that the European Union got Portugal, France, Italy, Spain, the Republic of Ireland into debt up to its tits through European Central Bank loans and then stole all the assets of those countries. I don't like that. You jumped up bearded little twat. It had nothing to do. Nothing to do with xenophobia. Nothing. Nothing. Dreadful stuff this. I really didn't realise that this country was as weak as it is. Okay. And as unable to stand on its own as it is. And I lived through the 1970s in London, and I should have known better. But what's going to happen in this country is that we're not going to stand up on our own if we don't improve 
the way people are brought up to shoulder more responsibility and to not be so so focused on, you know, becoming rock stars or something. I, Do you know I, what I mean? I, well, I, I don't agree with you, but I'm grateful for your honesty and, and, and your reflection. I mean, if I were making a list of people that we're going to blame for the thing that you voted for, we, we will now add the younger generation. Jesus Christ, he's now accusing her of blaming young people for the impacts of Brexit that are affecting her ability to secure care. It's so bad we should just leave it there, shouldn't we? That's the UK media in 2021. That's why I'm not working in the UK media in 2021. That's why I turned down an enormous amount of money in 2014 to go and work in commercial radio in this country because I couldn't tolerate, I couldn't stomach the sight, the smell or the sound of arseholes like James O'Brien. I'm Richie Allen, the BBG. This is your radio show. Back in two minutes. 27 minutes past the hour. That is a Todd Rundgren and I saw the light on the Richie Allen show. Lovely to be with you. Comment live at the website richieallen.co.uk just before we say hello to Nurse Danny. Let me remind you of something we spoke about yesterday on yesterday's programme disturbing footage coming out of California yesterday of Dr. Christopher Rake, the anesthesiologist, who'd spent many years working there at the University Hospital and with an unblemished record, really, as as a physician and, as I said, an anesthesiologist. And the video showed the gentleman being escorted out of the university by security guards. He'd been told to clear his desk. He was being fired. Why? Well, because he had decided that he didn't want to take a COVID-19 jab. And this is huge now. And it seems to be happening much quicker stateside in the United States than it is happening here. I'm really looking forward to chatting with um, with, with uh, Danny. Now, she's been a nurse for many, many, many years, working in paediatrics with an unblemished record, 20 years altogether in the medical field. And she's decided to quit her own job because of the mandate. She's a dedicated advocate for children, the health of children and the rights of children and their families. She's in Orlando, Florida. Let's welcome to the programme Danielle Nolay, but we'll call her Nurse Danny. Danny, welcome. Welcome to the programme. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. I know you're in demand, so I really appreciate it, Danny. 20 years looking after people, children and their families, and you decided to walk away. Tell us about the circumstances that led to that decision. Right. Well, the, there was many aspects to it, really. And first, it started with my um, my faith walk with God and Jesus Christ. And and as I was seeing things unfold, I was asking in prayer about it. And um, I had this very pointed conversation with God um, before the shot even came out. And it was it went kind of like this. Um, okay, so this thing is coming, the shot is coming, and it, you have to make a decision now before it's even available whether or not you're going to take it because it will be very hard to, and increasingly hard, to stand firm on, on that choice if you're on the fence. And so I was like, okay, Lord, I won't take it. And then he impressed upon my spirit that this would mean that I would have to lose 
um, things that are dear to me, like my career. And I had to choose. I had to draw the line in the sand and choose. And then as I researched this with my critical thinking mind, as it came out, it was clear that this was different than any other shot or vaccine um, that has ever been delivered to the public. And it was just clear to me even more as people started getting it and I was seeing reactions that were so negative um, that affected their lives. Even know, a friend, like, Danny, even a friend of yours, a close friend, had the jab yeah. and, and had a pretty bad reaction to it. Can you tell us about that? Right. Absolutely. So and it's not just a singular event, by the way, you know, um, out of the group of about 120 healthcare professionals, two of them who got the jab against their will um, came down with myocarditis. OK. And uh, the, my friend in particular that we're speaking about, she had every reason not to get this shot. She had her um, doctor sign paperwork, to, sent it into the um, hospital, letting her, letting them know that she is not a candidate for this shot. It is unsafe for her, and they, the hospital, went against that, denied her medical exemption, and uh, when she got that first shot, within 24 hours, she was having crushing chest pain, palpitations, um, difficulty breathing. She went to the emergency room diagnosed with um, myocarditis, which we all know is the top rate, one of the top ranking adverse reactions to this shot. And it has been an uphill battle for her to get the exemption for the second shot. And she, finally yesterday, after battling for weeks, almost a month, um, the hospital finally approved her exemption, her medical exemption. But it's too late, Richie. It's just too late. She's got lifelong effects from one shot. And two, and, and, and you said, abs like absolutely. And the fact that you would even need to struggle to get the exemption from the second shot is mind boggling, mind blowing to me. And you said that two, two that you know out of 120 that's really scary, that, because we're told that the myocarditis is an incredibly rare event. Even today, and I know you will know this, but Finland joined joined with uh, Denmark and Sweden in taking away the Moderna jab um, for young men particularly. And they say it's because of myocarditis. But they keep trying to impress upon us. Uh, don't worry now, it's, it's so, so rare. It's only one in several hundred thousand but I'm beginning to think differently. I'm beginning to think that it's probably a bit more common than we, than we're being told. How do you see that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the reactions that we're hearing about and seeing they are not as uncommon as as the mass media would lead us to believe, or the CDC or NIH or any of those big pharma companies. Um, they are outright lying to the people. And this is why we really have to stand firm. We have to make that personal choice to stand firm because you know what, once, once you lose your health, it's very hard to regain that, especially with something that is still being researched. Yeah. Like we're the guinea pigs on this. Until, until 2023 at, at the very least. You know, it really upsets, it genuinely does. I'm not just saying this for the fact we're on live radio. I, I'm honest. I, I say what I feel. It pains me 
I was reading about you today. You're in, you're in your, your career for 20 years. You obviously love people. You love children. It pains me to see medicine losing people like you, number one. It must be dreadful for you to have to come to that decision, even though it's the right one. But, but on the other side, to, to stay positive for a moment, I think you're ideally placed, Danny, I think, to speak to parents and to children and to say to them, look, um, maybe give this one a pass or give it a pause. Don't rush to have this jab because, you know, I've been around, you've been around this all your life and nobody could call you an anti-vaxxer or a conspiracy theorist. I think you're perfectly placed, I think, to give people an opinion that they might listen to. They're never going to listen to crazy, not crazy, but, you know, radio jocks like myself. You know, I don't have any medical training. You know, I can read, but I don't have any medical training. I think you're perfectly placed. Is that the plan now for you, you know, to get it out there to as many people as you can? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, when one door closes, another one opens. And Honestly, I had to step out in faith and choose the right thing because what's really happening inside of the medical system today goes against everything that I signed up for. I signed up to advocate for children and their families. I I signed up to um, help in the healing process. And what we're doing in the healthcare system today, or no, I'm not owning that actually, um, what they're doing in the healthcare system today that I will not participate in is... Is, is things like this, mandates like this, that take away freedom of choice for the medical decisions. And, it, and, and we are not even, they're not even allowing us as medical professionals to have informed consent. How much more are they depriving the general public, the lay person, of that informed consent? Where there is risk, there must be choice. There, there must be choice. You touched on something there that I wanted to spend a few minutes on, if you don't mind, just before we do that. Folks, we're, we're chatting with Danielle Nolay. She's a very experienced and very, very well-regarded um, nurse. She'll always be a nurse, even though she's left the uh, profession, um, you know, maybe temporarily, in, in protest at vaccine mandates. And we... Um, we, we we know that this is going on right across the United States, federal employees, as well as doctors, nurses, physicians, being told that they face losing their jobs if they don't submit to a job. As, as, as Danny very eloquently explained, you know, these people can't guarantee that the recipient is going to be fine. So therefore, how can they mandate it? Let's stay with something you said a minute ago, Danny. You said that what the medical profession has become, again, you're perfectly placed with 20 years experience. Talk to us about the changes that you've seen in the last two decades in terms of how medicine is approached as compared to how it used to be. What's going wrong with medicine and with hospitals in general? And this is not unique to the United States. I think it's it's the same all over the world, particularly in the West. But tell us about the changes you've noticed. Um, well, the biggest change that I've noticed is that we are no longer critically thinking. We are no longer taking it patient by patient and, and, and looking at what they need as an individual, as a whole person. What we're doing is, is following uh, protocols and procedures that the outcomes are actually unfavorable too much of the time. 
So it's no longer really a health care system. We're not caring for anyone's health. It's very dangerous now. I wouldn't I wouldn't send any of my loved ones, even with my support, into even with my guidance into the healthcare system as it stands today. It is a dangerous place. They're they're taking away freedoms from us. Um, you know, like the advocacy freedoms, we should be able to advocate for ourselves. There is a patient bill of rights that's being violated inside of these policies, inside of these blanket, this is how we're going to take care of this disease. And every person isn't built in that way to receive just a blank. It's not um, one-size-fits-all healthcare, you know what I'm saying? And if you noticed as well, I've spoken to doctors and nurses for many years on programs like this, many of them courageous like you that that walked away. One of the things they noticed most obviously was the pushing of more and more and more medication as first resort and last resort. You know, prescription, 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 prescription. I don't know what it's like there. Danny, but we have a system here in the in the UK. First of all, healthcare is free here at the point of necessity, which is a great thing that the National Health Service, a great thing in theory, but it's changed so much over the years. Nowadays, if you go to your doctor's office, they are given 10 minutes and only 10 minutes to consult with you. They can't go over that. And you find, and I visited a doctor very recently, you find that they're not listening to you or asking you questions. They're looking for solutions on some sort of computer program in order to prescribe you something and get you out the door. Now, I don't have your training. I'm not a medical person, but that doesn't sound like medicine to me. That doesn't sound like care or healthcare. It, it isn't. There's nothing um, valuable that can happen in 10 minutes. You can't even do a proper intake in 10 minutes. In the United States, most physicians are put under the pressure of a 15-minute visit, and it's much of the same. Um, it, it's geared towards the medicine. It's geared toward diagnosis, algorithm with medicine, and um, There is no critical thinking. There's no time for that. They're under great amount of pressure. And I do not want to villainize um, doctors in any way. It is a broken system. I know that I know these people. I, I work side by side with them. I partner with them. And I know their hearts for caring for others for the most part, is there. It really is. But the system is so broken, it doesn't allow us to care properly for the people who need it. Folks, we've got Danielle Nolay on the line from Orlando in Florida. Um, she's a 20 years experienced nurse, greatly experienced, and will not accept the, 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 the vaccine mandate and has had no choice but to walk away from uh, the career that she loves. It's interesting, um, Danny, we were introduced by CJ, our mutual friend, and CJ put me on to Nick Caterano a few weeks back. You might have heard of Nick. I'm sure you have heard of Nick. Nick is the Walt Disney employee that's yes. trying to take the company to court because, you know, they're, they're, they want to force vaccinate the, 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 their employee pool as well. It's happening everywhere. How much right. of a surprise now has that come to you? We, we, we hear about the, I've been to the United States one time. You know, we're told in film, we're told in theatre, we're told in books. It's the land of the free. It's banged into our, drummed into our minds, the land of the free. And here you are in 2021, 
thinking that, you know, the, the, the First Amendment, free speech, I can say what I like, you know, the, the, the other amendments that protect your bodily integrity. And here you are now, you have the President of the United States telling you, and you've got mayors of New York City and other places saying that you don't get to participate in society unless you take these jabs. Has that just been a whirlwind for you? Has that come out of nowhere for you? How do you feel about all of this? It really is a shock. Um, it really is. And there, there's a grieving process for for all of this that's going on. But at the same time, I don't get stuck in the grieving process because uh, we've got to be about as Americans and, and the real American spirit is to stand up and fight for what's right, for to speak the truth. And um, that's what Nick and I are doing. That's what people like us and, and supported by communities that are growing by the day, I might add. Like truly, we are, the real America is still here and we are fighting for our freedoms. However shocking it may be that these mandates are coming and that quite frankly, our president has declared war on anybody, his own citizens that won't take um uh, you know, a foreign substance into their body. Yeah. Instead of focusing on on what feels like defeat, we are focusing on the the rights that we have. They're inalienable rights. These are rights that were not instilled to us by our government, but instilled to us by our living God. And no one can take that away. Your faith is obviously really important to you. I'm I'm an Irish Catholic boy, Danny. I'm an Irish Catholic boy. I was brought up Christian. I'm a bit of a lapsed Christian. Maybe, maybe God will forgive me for that. I don't attend church and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on an exploratory journey kind of a thing. But I have enormous respect for, um, for faith and, and for your faith. I really do. It's obviously very important for you. And, and I also notice how people of faith are being attacked all the time. I don't know if you're aware, but there's a lovely nurse called Nurse... Uh, I, I can't pronounce her surname now. It's an African surname. She's lovely. It's Nurse Onahua, I think. She's a London-based nurse. She's been in nursing for years and years. And she's going to lose her job because they want her to take her crucifix off. I can't understand this. I'm, an, I'm not a practicing Christian. But if you come to me and you're giving me health care and you're looking after me, your, um, your, your faith is a thing of beauty. It doesn't matter to me. It's none of my business. But it feels to me like as somebody who can be objective here, because I'm not a practicing Christian, seems to me they're coming after people of faith. Now, that being said, and I'm sure you'll have an opinion on that, I'm disappointed with church leaders during the whole COVID thing. I think the COVID thing is a scam. Not COVID now. I'm not saying COVID is a scam, but the response to it, the pandemic, I don't believe there's been a genuine pandemic. But anyway, you know, the fact that church is closed, you know, I said I'm Irish. In Ireland, they turned the congregation away. Priests, I can't understand that. And I, I certainly do not want to bash Christians, not at all. I have a lot of respect for Christians. How has it been in Orlando? What has your own church been like? Does it, is there room for criticism for how the church has behaved during COVID? What do you think? Well, I think that this is a time where truth is coming out, you know, like um, under pressure. What is the body of Christ 
doing? How are they responding? And whatever was on the inside is now coming out. And so we can really just observe and see who who is living by the word of God and um, standing firm on, on those principles and those values and those who are uh, lukewarm or weak in the faith that are bowing down to mandates that crush our our religious rights so you know i would just say just open up your eyes and see uh who's doing what and there is it's biblical there is a uh separation of the wheat from the shaft from the, the goats from the sheep and and jesus said my sheep will know my voice and they will follow me Fantastic. I, I, I interviewed recently the, the pastor from Calgary who kicked the police out of his church. It went, um, it was a viral story. And, yeah. and, and I, I loved, he came on the programme. I loved his attitude. I loved it, you know. And isn't yeah. it funny when you stand up to bullies? Look what they did. Look what the bullies <laughs> did when he stood up to them. They ran. They were armed to the teeth, but yet they ran. I'd like to ask you, in, in the time we have left, I'd like to ask you just for an opinion, it's just an opinion, on Ivermectin. But we've got um, Danielle Nolay on the programme. She's a nurse. Uh, we know her as Nurse Danny. Um, highly regarded is Danny, and she's involved in uh, groups like Moms for Liberty and Moms for America, important groups. You can find them online and on Facebook. She's an advocate for children and sadly has walked away from her profession it's the last thing we need in the world is experienced people walking away from medicine. But this is this is the times, I suppose, these are the, the, the times we live in. Danny, the BBC have taken a vendetta against the medicine ivermectin. Now, a number of studies in recent um, months and in, even in recent years seem to show that ivermectin is useful, very useful, as an antiviral medication. And... As I said, there are studies. I interviewed a woman called Dr. Tess Laurie, who is based in the UK. She used to work for the World Health Organization. She's a nice lady. And she's done an exhaustive study on ivermectin and says she believes it to be safe and good for COVID. And I don't have to tell you, Danny, you know better better than I do. But thousands of doctors in the United States swear by ivermectin. But yet the mass media and the Food and Drug Administration and the authorities here are dead set on on destroying any notion that ivermectin is safe and that it's useful. What do you know about this medicine, ivermectin? Well, I know it's been on the market for decades, and I know it's pr- been proven safe and effective for decades. Um, I also know that it's a really affordable medication, and, um, you know, that just follow the money on that one. You know, if it's not lining the pockets of, of those in, who are lobbying and, and those in um, power in the government, then it's not effective for their pockets, but it is safe and effective for treating many different diseases. And yet, we, and, and I, I do believe the doctors who've come on this programme, because they're qualified people, men and women, and I believe them, they've said, Richie, we've, we've used it, it's great, it's very good, yes it is, used as an anti-parasitic thing, of course it is, but it's very, very good and safe, antiviral. And yet you've got people ridiculing it today. And that's the thing that, that's so upsetting. You know, we're seeing science being turned on its head, Danny, aren't we, in the last 18 months. We're seeing universal truths being declared by the media, declared to be lies and false. And, uh, do you know, I, I think I mentioned that I'm a lapsed Christian and I, I just, I said that, 
you know, because I wanted to talk a little bit about it, but 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 not as an authority. But I believe that there's something more going on. I believe there is some spiritual battle going on here. I do believe that. I've come around to believing that. I, I, I didn't dismiss it as, as a possibility previously, but I'm, you know, I'm very pragmatic in my approach to things. But I'm beginning to wonder, is there some cosmic battle going on? Is there some spiritual battle for our very souls going on at the moment? I'm guessing you probably feel a bit like that sometimes, right? Oh, it's a reality for me, Richie. It really is. And the Word of God supports that. Uh, the Word of God says that we don't battle against flesh and blood, but we battle against the principalities and powers and, and rulers on high. And and those are the unseen places. And so we're just, these battles that we're seeing in the flesh are really just evidence of a greater war happening. It is a war for souls right now. And and that's why I'm so pleased and, and, and thankful to be on shows like this that are shining a light on on the truth. So people get to choose. Do you choose life or do you choose the confusion, the chaos and the fear? And and really programs like yours give the people the opportunity to make that choice rather than what's being slammed down mainstream media, which is all the fear propaganda. Fear and fear. And of course, you know, the more fear is pumped at people, the more unsettled they'll become and the more ill, the more sick they will become long term. Just final quick couple of questions. Will you, I know you're going to work very hard on raising awareness about the dangers of the COVID jabs. That's a very noble thing. Do you think you'll work in private practice in nursing? Because obviously the profession doesn't need to be losing people like you. Absolutely. You know, the sky is the limit at this point. Um, and right now, I my focus is on um, bringing the truth to light and uh, connecting with these awesome organizations, some of which you have mentioned, others um, like CCDF and, um, and you know, community, other communities like Florida Freedom Keepers and things like that. Um, all of of these communities are coming together to to stand firm and then and then build something new of course you know and build it on the foundations that this country was built on originally and 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 not on whatever they're trying to do now this new world order thing well if 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 every other doctor and nurse in in England in Ireland in the United States had your moxie and your courage Danny I think would be okay I really do. Before we say goodbye, is there any place that people can find you online to say hello? Are you on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook? I am working on that. However, so not personally me, but my group, um, I'm connected with a wonderful group of thousands of people. So there's um, uh, Nurses uh, Against the Mandate, Nurses United, that's on Facebook. Um, and then there's Healthcare Freedom for Healthcare Workers. That's also a group on Facebook. Both of those are in the thousands. So we are in good company. Um, yeah, and then you can... We have uh, the Give, Get, the Give, Send, Go uh, fundraiser, and that's Give, Send, Go forward slash No to Jab, and that it, that money directly goes to um, helping my group of nurses fight this these mandates legally. Brilliant to meet you, Danny. Thanks so much for coming on the program. Do stay in touch with us, and uh, feel free to come back anytime you like. Thanks, Danny. 
Thank you, Richie. Have a good one. You too. Lovely to meet you. That was uh, Nurse Danny. It's uh, Danielle Nollet. Lovely lady. Very experienced nurse. Um, very, very, very energised about getting uh, the truth about these jabs to people. Uh, in Orlando, Florida and elsewhere. Nice to have her on. Thanks to my mate CJ. Thanks CJ uh, for connecting me with Danny. It's six and a half minutes to the top of the air. The Richie Allen Radio Show is live. It's always live. From uh, BBG Towers in Salford. Now we'll be speaking to a Portuguese judge in around about 10-15 minutes time. He's taking on the Portuguese government over its response to COVID. That should be very, very interesting indeed. Lots to come on Thursday's show. The Richie Allen Show relies on your support. Visit richieallen.co.uk and make a financial contribution today. Lovely. Okay, then. I've got so many comments. Hundreds of comments, as usual, have come in. Let me read a few of them. Let me do that now. Hang on. Let me let me just reboot there. I'll just fold my arms. I might take a sip of water. Yes. Dean Smith, how you doing, Dean? He says, Richie, if I had a health problem, the last place I would go would be to a hospital. Dean, I'm with you. Dolores says, I came to the conclusion that there is a battle between good and evil right now. It's been going on for a while, hundreds of years, I believe. Now it has come to the end and people are waking up around the world, says Dolores. Thanks, Dolores. How you doing, Patricia? Richie, she says, FLCCC President and Chief Medical Officer Dr. Pierre Corey has testified to the benefits of ivermectin before a number of COVID-19 panels, including the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs. That was back in December 2020. He's also, let me just put that down. Should have turned that off, shouldn't I? I'll learn. I'll eventually learn how to run a radio show. It might take me another few years. Um, But she says, and the National Institutes of Health COVID-19 Treatment Guidelines Panel in January 2021. Patricia, it seems to me that when you put all of the doctors, scientists, health practitioners, if you want to call them that, nurses, put them all in one pile, GPs, those who say ivermectin is not only safe, but very effective against viruses, that's a huge pile. And you've only got a few media commentators and idiots like that clown Imran Ahmed from the Centre for Countering Digital Hate. Uh, Doctors are unanimous and scientists seemingly unanimous in saying that ivermectin is a good thing to take if you've got a a virus like COVID-19. I hear you loud and clear. Thank you. In fact, I want to say hi to my mate Joe Boddington. How you doing, Joe? When I wasn't feeling so well last week, but I did get over it very quickly. So I did, because of my vitamin D3, because of my zinc, because of my vitamin C and all of that. My mate Joe, to her credit, sent me an email. She said, Rich, I can get you an ivermectin tablet if you want, she said. Black market and stuff like that. Thanks, Joe. Really appreciate that. Hi to Carl Cunningham, to Tom Moore, to Joe Public, to Gaz. There's so many comments on the website. To read them, go to richieallen.co.uk and uh, just click on Comment Live at the top of the page. With you till 7 o'clock, I will have, live from Portugal, live from Portugal shortly, Dr. Judge, or Judge Dr. Rui Costa. You don't want to miss him. This is the Norman Cook remix of Remix, Jesus Richie. The Norman Cook remix of Corner Shops Brim Full of Asher, The Richie Allen Show, live with you from BBG Towers.
Hi to Stephen Hardy. How you doing, Stephen? He said, Richie, the BBC also neglected to tell its viewers that Ivermectin won the Nobel Prize for Medicine in 2005. And he's linked to the article, has Stephen, on my website where it's comment live. So comment live, you can see what people are saying to me. Hi to Joan. How you doing, Joan? I did miss a lot of comments earlier on. I was wrapped up in the monologue and James O'Brien's garbage. So I was. Then we had Nurse Danny on. And now I'm going to be speaking to a judge in Portugal in a moment. So I'm a bit slack with the comments. Before we do speak to Judge Dr. Rui Costa, let me plug the absolute living jeepers out of Sunday Morning Melodies, which, which is just the greatest live music radio show there has ever been. It isn't, not by a long shot. Sunday Morning Melodies, every Sunday at 10 o'clock. That's the one. I'm so proud of that. That's me singing. I just had some helium balloons. I ingested some helium helium before doing the singing and then Paul Ripley played the keyboards. It's a fantastic jingle. Hi to Fran, who says, Richie, people don't listen even when they are getting advice and information from me as a nurse who worked with vaccines for over six years. And I've been a nurse for 20 plus years and a prescriber. They won't listen. I did mention that Danny will be a gift in her community because as a nurse... People might be more inclined to listen to her misgivings about the jabs than maybe listening to big baldy backsters like me and my equivalents in Florida. But Fran is saying, listen, they won't listen, Richie. Well, that's thanks for taking the jam out of my donut, Fran. But fair enough, I totally understand you, Fran. I to Steve T to William Henderson, to Alan in Liverpool, to Chiro, to Jake. Ah, there's so many comments coming in. Hi to Caroline Feely as well. Lovely stuff. This um, conversation I'm going to have with the judge now is very time specific, so it might be might be a minute or two late. So I might have to ramble on. I might have to ramble on like the great Led Zeppelin. There is an acoustic guitar here in the studio. There's also a Fender Stratocaster. I might pick up the acoustic and I might play ramble on. Yes, and pigs might fly from here to Dover, singing Dame Vera Lynn's. We'll meet again. I'm a very rudimentary guitar player. I can play a few chords, but I'm certainly not good enough to play anything written by Jimmy Page. But I I do try sometimes, although not for a while. Hi to Jan, who says, Richie, the lovely vicar, Pastor Pastor Artur, was uh, from Calgary, was pictured being hauled off by the Canadian police from a plane about a week ago. I did see that, Jan. I think he's been... I think he's been arrested several times, hasn't he? Uh, and he and he is due to come back on the programme again soon. I have been in touch with him. So we'll get him on and we'll have a chat with him and see how it goes. OK, it's coming up for four minutes past six. To comment on the programme, richieallen.co.uk. Comment live. If you're new to the programme, the reason you can't do it on Twitter is because the Twitter account was, was deleted, like many others, other content creators, and... You can't really do it through Facebook. So to comment to me, at me, or about me, the thing to do is go to my website where it says comment live. That is the way to do it. There is some fuckery. There is some fuckery with respect to the podcast of this programme. 
being interfered with by Spotify and iTunes. There is. But I don't know exactly what's going on. Some of the podcasts are being cut. It happened again yesterday. Others are being left alone. Sometimes they don't upload instantly as they should do. And they don't upload, in fact, for 24 hours, which is problematic for the numbers. Well, not for me, it isn't. You know, I'm I'm happy to do this live. And if you listen live, well and good. And if you grab the podcast, well and good. But it is messing with the figures, the podcast figures, slightly. So I can't say much more than that other than do sign... You don't even have to sign up to Podomatic. Just go to richieallen.podomatic.com and download the app there and you'll get it. And Podomatic will... At least they've promised they will never cut the programme or delete the programme. I know them personally. That's the best. If you cannot listen live, Podomatic is the way to go. All right? All right. Here's another tune then while we wait for Dr. Uh, the judge even, Judge Dr. Rui Castro. Can't wait to speak to him. If I said Costa a minute ago, it's because I'm in Egypt. And it's been a long day today. It's Rui Castro. That's the guy. This is the Saw Doctors and N17 on your Richie Allen show, live from the wonderful Saw Doctors and N17 on the Richie Allen show for Thursday, the 7th of October 2021. Nice to be with you, to be with you nice. And I want to thank you, I don't think I've ever done this, thanks for the messages you send me through the website, because you send a lot. And they do mean quite a bit to me. And I don't reply to all of them or even most of them. And the only reason for that is time. I swear on that. You've you've got to believe that. You know, it isn't because I'm dismissive of, of those emails. I get a lot of very heartfelt emails from people. People expressing, you know, that things are sometimes a bit difficult for them, but that they appreciate this particular radio show. And people send some lovely emails. Not too many awful ones, which is kind of a shame, really. I used When I began doing this seven years ago, I would get some really nasty emails and I would read them out for the crack. And I remember many years ago, it was, it was the done thing as a radio presenter. If you got letters, and back then it was snail mail, so you'd get some letters from people saying that you were, you were cock of the walk, son. You, you know your onions, son. But then you'd get emails or, excuse me, letters from people saying that you were the biggest Egypt this side of Limavady. Biggest Egypt this side of Nakanor. You're in Egypt. Is there a place called Nakanor? There must be. I don't know my own country as well as I should do. And um, the thing to do is read out the really bad ones. I used to get a lot of really bad ones. Now you can send me some mock bad ones if you want, but it kind of misses the point. I used to get some nasty ones. And David... Uh, David Icke used to be listening in his living room on the Isle of Wight, laughing, belly laughing. And some of them were so nasty. He, he said to me one night, you're making these up, aren't you, Richie? I said, I'm not. <laughs> these are genuine, genuine uh, letters, you know. And I was thinking about that today. Jermaine Genus is a football player who was a very good player, I think. I think it's fair to say. I think Jermaine could have played for a top, top club. Now, if you're a Newcastle United fan... You might be pissed off now. You might say, oh, he did play for a top club, Richie. If you're a Spurs fan, you might be pissed off. You might say he did play for a top club. What I mean is, I think Genus was a good enough central midfield player. 
on the ball that he could have maybe played a, 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 a team that was challenging for the Premier League during his time as a player. These days, Germain is a football pundit. How do I rate Germain Genius? Does it even matter? I think he's good. I think he's not scared of giving an opinion. He doesn't sit on the fence. And he's a very relaxed, kind of genial guy on television. These days, he can also be found as one of the regular male hosts of a programme called The One Show on the BBC, on BBC One that goes out. Does it go out every week, night, does it, at seven o'clock? A Welsh woman called Alex Jones is generally, I think Ronan Keating does a bit there as well, the, the boy's own uh, fella, chap, kind of a thing. Anyway, Genius was all over the media today because tonight there's a documentary on Channel 4 about racism. And it's to do with online racism directed against sportsmen and women. And it's on Channel 4 tonight. I'm not sure I'll watch it, which is a bit unfair, really. Maybe I should watch it because I'm going to comment on it. And he was on he was on the BBC Five Live Breakfast programme today and other programmes, giving a bit of a plug for his documentary about racism. And um, it struck me that, and I didn't, sadly I didn't take, take any clips. Although, hang on a second, I can, I can very quickly, this, this is, what you're going to witness now is stone cold radio broadcasting genius. Stone cold genius. What you're going to witness. I'm going to find a clip while I'm speaking with you. Of course, I, this could be the masked magician now. I could be telling you porky pies. I might already have the clip lined up. I don't actually, but how, how do you know? you just got to take my word for it. But I think I know where I'll find a very quick clip of Germain talking about racism and about online racism. And you see, when people go online and swear at footballers and send them emojis, which are cartoons, of monkeys, I don't believe that's racism. Now, I do have a couple of black friends. I actually do, genuinely. Um, one of them was on the programme with me. I haven't seen him in years, but I, I knew him very well in Spain. Um, uh, my old DJ pal, Larry, in Spain. But I, I know some black people going back years. and They don't agree with me, but they don't get triggered by me saying it isn't racism. Some black people do because I'm not black and they would say, well, how would you know? And it's typical of a white guy. But when people swear at footballers online and use that N-word to describe them or if they send them monkey emojis, I, I would love to debate. We used to have debates many years ago. I took, I, took, I took part in many of them. Many of them. Where nobody got triggered and you would get your few minutes to state your case why you don't believe sending the monkey emojis is genuine racism. And then maybe a person of colour, maybe not, maybe somebody else, would get their few minutes and they would say, they would explain why I'm an idiot and why I am wrong and then you would have back and forth and you would have an audience sometimes and the audience would get to, to pitch in as well. But listen to Jermaine Genus. Here he is. I have managed to drag out the clip. This is stone cold. No producers here. No editors. Nobody. It's just me. Isn't that amazing? All right, it isn't that amazing then, fair enough. So here's Jermaine then telling Nicky Campbell about 
racism online. Players like, you know, John Barnes, Silver Regis and, and these types of players were being racially abused within stadiums. You know, bananas have been, went from being thrown on the pitch at players to now bananas and, and monkey emojis have been thrown into players' DMs. This is essentially kind of like the new age of racism that's not being dealt with. Uh, um, we feel it and I feel it as, you know, a pundit that comes off air and I look at my own uh, messages every now and again and, you felt that tension just building and building over the last, uh, you know, few years in particular. But you know, going into the Euros, when I was, I was, filled, I was already filming this documentary prior to going into the Euros, and I, I knew what was going to come. And it was a shame that uh, what I thought was going to happen, um, you know, to our black players uh, actually happened. Yeah, there's more of it as well. Players like you know, John. There's more of it. It goes on and on and on. The interview can be heard on BBC. Radio 5 Live Breakfast podcast, if you want to hear all of it. The gist of it is, he went on to say that it had a a big impact on him when he began doing punditry. It had a big impact on him psychologically and personally, and it, it impacted his health, basically, that he knew that after he'd done some punditry work, that he would go online and he would be tweeted by people saying this, 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 this you're an effing N, you're this, you're that, you're the other. And I don't agree with that. I don't agree with any of that being, I, I don't agree with any of that. I don't think it's it's as simplistic as saying that this is racism. And I think it's a very dangerous thing. I think it's a very dangerous thing for young people of colour and even young people with with notable differences, you know, young people with disabilities maybe, with um, with a disability that makes them look different. I think it's a it's a terrible thing in the in their development in their education to tell them that um it's okay to be upset and depressed when somebody who you've never met before in your life and never will calls you a name online um that it's okay to be depressed it's okay to be fed up about it something needs to be done about it and we need to compel the social media companies to to act I think it's very dangerous and that's all I'm going to say. I, I, I might, in a moment, I might open the, the phone and Skype, or I might not. I've been let down by this judge in Portugal, which is really annoying me. It doesn't annoy me when things go awry on live radio, because I'm, I'm very experienced, obviously. I don't, I don't mind yapping away with you for a bit. But this guy reached out to me and invited himself on the programme. And now he's not there. And he's not giving me a, a courtesy call to say that he's running late or something which pisses me off because I don't like people who are discourteous. I've got the Hannibal lecture, lecture, the Hannibal Lecter approach to people who are not courteous. I don't eat their liver with fava beans and a nice Chianti, but I don't like it very much. These people reached out to me. Oh, we love the programme. Uh, I'd like to come on. I'm a judge. I'm doing this. Will you bring me on? Yes, I'll bring you on tomorrow at six o'clock. Lisbon time, which it is. It's come and gone. Same time as UK time. No problem. Guy's not there, which is professional discourtesy. I don't like it at all. Um, that's my little rant now. I wouldn't mind if I'd invited him on, but he's invited himself on. Jesus wept. I wonder did somebody tell him not to come on, lest he be accused of anti-Semitism. I wonder did some truther, I wonder, some truther who pretends that she was once a reporter with the BBC, who used to work for Rothschilds on Guernsey, and who told a guy called Roger Hodkinson not to come on this programme because he might be accused of anti-Semitism. I wonder, did that person reach out to him and say, don't go on the Richie Allen show? 
Because this is happening all the time, would you believe? Truthers are advising people not to appear on this programme. Some of them out of extraordinary jealousy and spite because they don't have 275,000 people listening to them right now as I do. Because they don't have 5 million podcast downloads a month. That's how petty the truther industrial complex is. You've got truthers telling people you shouldn't go on the Richie Allen show out of petty jealousy and spite. I find it a thing of beauty. Makes me laugh. It's the third time. If it has happened, it's the third time it's happened. Anyway, anyway. Tess Laurie won't be coming back on this programme again, even though she had a very interesting interview with me several months back because a truther told her she shouldn't go on the programme because she might get into trouble. She might be targeted in the media for coming on this programme. A truther. Imagine that. Absolutely. Saviour of the independent media. You think so? Give me a break. No chance. The independent media, the the truth or industrial complex, the truth movement is a cesspit filled to the brim with wannabe celebrities and morons without a brain between the vast majority of them. That's how bad it is. Tell you what I'm going to do now for the crack. And I'll take all comers. I don't care who it is, right? It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Fantastic. I've not done it yet. You've got to give me a second so I can do it. There you go. Again, there isn't a producer, there isn't an editor doing this for me. I'm doing it myself. OB Jeepers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we won't talk about that, by the way. Let's not talk about that, uh, what I just said. But that's the way it is. You've got truthers trying to sabotage the most listened to independent radio show in the world. That's a fact, by the way. That's not conjecture. You've got truthers doing it. Truthers. <laughs> I know. So the the give me a call then. We've only got about 15 to 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It's uh, 22 minutes past the hour. Welcome no, to the program, caller. Who am I speaking ends. with? This is essentially kind of like the new age. Of what, what, what's going on here? Hello. Uh, um, we feel it. And right. Okay. That's just that's somebody taking the piss out of me. Let's get rid of that then. It's zero one six one eight one eight two zero one eight zero one six one eight one eight two zero one eight. I'll do it again. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Right, so there, are, there is a bit of interest then. There is a bit of interest then. Christine wants to get on. Let's get Christine on for a quick chat. It's Thursday's programme. Should be speaking with a judge from Portugal about the situation in Portugal there, but uh, he's left us down. Christine, welcome to the programme. How are you? Are you there, Christine? I'm not too bad, Richie. Ah, oh, you're there. I'm doing grand here. Where are you, by the way? So there. You give me a lovely shout out where I am today, Limavady. Of course, you're in Limavady. That's right. Yeah. Do you yeah. think? Do you think that's a coincidence, or is there some cosmic thing going on there? I always think there's a cosmic thing because I would be thinking things, and you play songs that remind me of my parents. I've spoke to you before about this, yeah. my dad. And it happens a lot. I remember one Sunday morning I played a tune and as God, if there is a God, and, and I, I'm beginning to think there is, if as God is my witness, Christine, I remember this vividly. I'm sure it was you. I, no earthly reason why I was going to play this song, I pulled it out. And it meant something very special. It was a very personal thing to you that day, wasn't it? 
I remember that. Yes, you're correct. That was me. Yeah, it was you, yeah. It was actually his anniversary. It was he his was anniversary. years dead. Yeah, and the song was That's his song. It. it was a big song for him. It was a song he loved. Yeah. Your dad. Yeah. That's right. So tell us about COVID in Limavady then. What's going oh, on there? Oh, sure. It's crazy. Well, it's not too bad. Like everybody does their own wee thing and lives by the rules as they interpret them. I haven't a clue what the rules are. I couldn't tell you. You're just kind of carrying like on as normal. Uh, oh, it's. But, you know, you see them with their masks and a few more younger people now, I have to admit, in the local shops not wearing them. You're starting we to see wouldn't, just a yeah. little bit of a pushback from some of the younger folks. That's that's maybe yeah, positive. and I think too because of the troubles in recent here years here, they did for a while bring in security guards to Tesco's. It only lasted a few weeks because and I just looked at them and walked clean past them and everybody. Ah, the line has gone a bit dodgy there now. Hang on a second. Let's see. Can we just reconnect with Christine? Ah, at this time of the day. What it is, is I bet you everybody in Limavady is online now, right now. That's what's going on. Let's see, can we get Christine back? Hello. Ah, you're back now. I hope I, I cleared up the call there. It's breaking up a little internet bit. internet on here has been about dodgy all this past few days. But um, no, so I, I don't know. I, I don't think that people have been accosted just as much as we've been hearing in England. Like, you know. The bloody call has just dropped out again. Can you believe that? She says their internet's a bit dodgy there. It's it's one of those days, isn't it? It's just one of those days where you just pack it up, pack up, just get your lunchbox, sling your your denim jacket over your shoulder and just say, to hell with that. Punch out, just punch out and on you go. Tell you what I'm going to do very briefly is I'm going to, uh, I'm basically going to reconnect here and see can we get it up and running again. It had to be the end of the week, didn't it? Uh, Christine was on from Limavady there. There's a sound issue there. There's a connection issue there. Connectivity issue, speed issue. So let's um, let's just reboot. And uh, as usual, as you would say, as per usual, I've not got a tune lined up, but I can remedy that very, very quickly. There you go. All right, all right, all right. Lovely. Here's um, Lick the Tins and a song. It's their version of Can't Help Falling in Love, the great show stopper, the show closer uh, from the king of rock and roll himself, Elvis Presley. Right, let's try Christine again. And this time I've said 17. Have you got me? I've got you. I just said a Hail Mary before it's starting it up again. Oh, I don't know. The internet's been a bit dodgy now this past couple of days around here, so I don't know. It's not just you, to be honest. It's it's everywhere. We've had problems here in Salford and we've got the Virgin 300 meg speed and all of that. It's uh, it's everywhere. You were saying that Tesco had posted guards at one stage. Yeah, they had like security men, which they would, Tesco's here would have their own security, like their local lads. But then all of a sudden these, um, this was away now, let me think, well, it was away, say, early part of the year. These like goons, for want of a better word, appeared at the door. Like they had this separate way of walking this way and walk out that way. That's all gone now. But um, they now... I don't go down to the shops a lot, I have to admit, because I just am not very good at holding my tongue. Yeah, I'm the same. You know, most of last winter, I just avoided it. And I Mm. had the, uh, we had it delivered, which, uh, you know, and when you're, because we we, we tend to be confrontational when it's necessary, the Irish. We put up with a lot, but when it comes to it. And I said to myself, are you being a bit cowardly? And I realised that I wasn't. I wasn't being cowardly. I was just 
to a self-preservation really because who yeah. knows where you'll end up if you start getting into a shouting match with somebody in the middle of a supermarket you don't know where that's going to end up you know here's the question for you any signs yet Christine that this stuff might start creeping back in because I've noticed it in my local supermarket which is the same as yours it's a Tesco they're preparing for it no not yet no definitely not here yet now in saying that it could be early days, like they can bring them in overnight. But um, you talk about Irish men. I sent you an email. I don't know if you've seen it. My husband had to go to the doctor a couple of weeks ago because a lump appeared on his leg. He's 73. He's from Carrick, but he's very fat and healthy. But anyway, he got an appointment, lucky enough. And it was a doctor, you know, that was training to be a GP. You know, that, like she's a qualified doctor, but you know the way they have to do. Yeah, yeah. Do the residency. And apparently yeah. our doctors were doing that a lot. They're still not seeing people. But the people training are seeing people. So anyway, they got chatting anyway because he could talk for Ireland. And he says, you know, I think it's terrible what's going on. And she says, oh, do you? What's wrong? And he says, well, basically they murdered people, didn't they? Did <laughs> he? He says, you did not. To the young doctor. He says, I did. Mm-hmm. He says, I says, what did she say to you? He says, she never said a word. She just listened to me and went, I know it's very sad. She was diplomatic. I like it. It was a diplomatic yes. answer. <laughs> I says, you are not wise. I says, you're, I says, you'll be getting a letter telling you that you're not allowed back. Yeah, you never but know, do you? That's just the way he sees it. Or, or <laughs> he a, says, I or, can't lie anymore. Or a persuader might knock on the door to say, come here and I tell you, let me persuade you to have the jab. You didn't get any of that nonsense, no? No, I must admit now we only got, I got the phone call first, which surprised me because I'm younger than Jesse, although I was diagnosed with bronchitis, but touch wood changing my diet and losing weight has sorted all that out but um, no I got one phone call and it was the girl I knew by her first name and I says no I'm not really interested she says that's fine not a problem Christine that's grand I'll put that down and Jesse did get a letter now and he just phoned in the same and we never got another call or anything now we have had letters about the flu jab yeah but now I only got mine today, so I haven't had a chance to phone them yet because I look after my grandkids. But um, he phoned and just says, no, I'm not interested. And she said, that's fine. But the letter was so funny because on the back of it was this whole spiel. Now, it's October in the northwest of Ireland. It was pouring all day today. And if you go for your appointment, you have to have your sleeve open. So you basically, if you're a man like Jesse wears T-shirts all the time, you'll have to have your coat off and your sleeve up. And um, you can't sit down, so you must stand and then go straight out the door. You're kidding me. So so, so <laughs> it's, it's really like a cattle market then, isn't it? It must be. They have Basically. this port a cabin out the back that was supposed to be for all these alternative therapies and physio and go that, on. but that never materialised because COVID hit. But apparently you, you come in and you don't come early, you don't come late because you can't be uh, seen. So you come in, you walk in with your... Show your sleeve bare basically you have to and you can't sit down I thought well what happened to whenever you had to go and sit down and then sit 15 minutes afterwards well said that's right the protocol was to give somebody a chance just in case they were to take ill after the jab wow Mm -hmm. I'm not too far from the main jabbing centre jabatoire whoever came up with that was a genius I'd love to have thought of that <laughs> whoever thought of jabatoire they should be given a medal for it but the main jabatoir in, in Salford is down Liverpool Street anybody who knows the area will know Liverpool Street and it for months and months and months it was chocka it was absolutely rammed all the time but lately now because I run past it most days it's uh, nothing now they must have jabbed 
at least they must. But but ne- maybe now it'll get busy again because they're starting the boosters now for for senior citizens and all of that gas. But yeah, well, we haven't heard nothing but that. And as well as that, Richie, I think the schools here, you know, the secondary schools, the 12, because I would have grandchildren in that age group, 12 to 16. That hasn't been pursued. I haven't, my daughter hasn't heard a word now from the school that they're even doing it or thinking about it. I oh, this is positive. Hang on, let's stay with this now. We have my pal Christine in Limavady in Derry. You heard that story, did you, when I interviewed Jerry Adams years ago? I did. It's the most embarrassing thing ever happened to me in radio. Honest to God, yeah. Silence. It only happened to you once. The one time, stone cold silence. You want to start that again? <laughs> oh, Christ, yeah, it's not London Derry, it's Derry. Christine is on the line from Derry. And she's just brought up something very interesting. This government, despite the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation not recommending the jab for 12 to 15 or 12 to 17 year olds, the government went basically went around the houses and decided to do it anyway with the blessing of the chief medical officers. But Christine has given us good news. Your grandchildren's schools don't seem to be in any hurry to get involved with it. No, I haven't. I've spoke to a few people about it and I haven't heard of any parent getting a letter or any child saying it's going on. Yes, they're doing them HP, whatever they are and all, all that like, but there's been no, no talk of it at all. None but at then all. we have a crowd of, I don't know what you would call them, up in Stormont, little Hitlers. Yeah, well, well, they all are. I was, do you know, I was on the RTE Twitter feed today because I was told that a Waterford TD called David Cullinan, David is the Sinn Féin TD for Waterford. Oh, they're the worst? The worst in the world, yeah. Now, I know David personally. I grew up with him in Ballybeg in Waterford. He's a decent bloke, David. But as a party, they're dreadful. Dreadful. Completely woke. Woke beyond anything I've ever seen in all my life. But yeah, he was on there. And uh, same thing, you know, absolutely. Give us more of it, you know. Give us more of it. Uh, Yeah, and like, you know, I can't understand some people here in the North, just to give you a wee bit of quickly. You know, people here go, I'll never vote in my life again. I've always voted. I used to nag the life out of my kids to vote. And my son, Michael, who's the middle one, used to go, Mommy, what's the point? There's no point. They do what they want. And I used to think, oh, please vote. But anyway, so I'll never vote again now as a result of this. I can't see it. But um, uh, my son, Darn, now he, he would have voted. But, you know, people are going, oh, but... You have to use your vote. You'll lose it. This party will get in. That Sinn Féin will get in. Or the DUP will get in if you don't. And I go, what is the difference? Yeah. The two sides of the one arse. Two sides of the one arse. And I had the same conversation with a trade unionist. I mentioned it in one of the monologues. Lovely fellow called Mike. That's probably where I heard it then. Off yeah. you, Richie. You know, when you think about it. Yeah. They won't get it. It doesn't matter how many times they get duped. It doesn't matter how many times a politician or I a party think, comes along. No. Yeah. They go on. I think they're full of maybe great... Like even say, go back to Trump in America, they think they're going to do this and they're going to do that. But I think when they go in, the suits tell them you'll do this and you'll do that. And that's how it's run. Shows them there's a Pruder film or something. Yeah. I know that sounds very glib and very childish, but something like that. You know, I I think that during Trump's campaign, I think he meant what he was saying. Oh, why? We laughed. I mean, we knew he was going to do none of that. We knew that. And and, and we said that. But I think he thought he could do it. But I think you're you're right. Somebody takes them aside and goes, now, Donald, this is the way it really is. Mm-hmm. Pay attention, kind of a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's the same up here. Like they don't give, they don't really care about the ordinary working man. They couldn't give it up. Couldn't and give it up. The health boy here is a wee small. I would now. I'm being kind to him when I say he's overweight. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like so, we couldn't be giving anybody health advice. No harm to him. He's um. 
Wow. What do you call Swans or something? Yeah. That's his name. Robin Swan or something. They they don't they're have any. Mad, he's mad to bring in the passports now, but I think there's a bit of pushback from his own party. So they're coming in in the Wales. DUP. Is there a bit of pushback from the DUP? That's yeah. interesting. They're coming in in Wales. Coming in in Scotland. I'm convinced. Once we get into the winter here, they will mandate them for football, for concerts, no, for theatre. I think they will, Christine. Yeah. Um, this is the first time we've spoke, is it? It's the first time we spoke on Skype, but um, I don't think you need to be double jabbed to go to America. Just saying that, I'll get back to you on that. But I know somebody who's hoping to travel in December and has been told no. Has been told no, but at the moment, but you know, it doesn't. Testing. Yeah, it doesn't. But you know the way they say yeah, you, you yeah. can't get in unless you're double jabbed. That's right. At the minute, you know, it I doesn't feel. Think. It doesn't feel like so. Christmas does. Christmas kind of still feels quite a way off. But it isn't. It's only around the corner. It's not that long. No. no, but a lot will happen between now and then. So if they're saying oh. at the moment you don't need the jabs, I think that could change in the next few weeks, Christine. But anyway. Well, I think they have said if you go into America, you do need the jabs, Richie. But um, it's just this person I know has looked into it further because oh, right, it's I a sporting event they're going to and they've been told that... A courting event? They, a sporting event. I thought you said a courting event. I thought that's fantastic. Oh, no, guy, guy, that's guy, guy wants to get hooked up, yeah, and he goes to America <laughs> for a courting event. I'm, no, a sporting event. For the sport, yeah, fair enough, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, well, I'll get back to you on it one. Do I'm let me know. By the way, say mm-hmm. say hello to Jesse. And, uh, I will do. He's just popped his head on the door on the way out again because he? he probably heard me. And see, I, I have one of them dreaded women here, you know. <laughs> Sometimes I have to put you on manually because she doesn't understand what I'm saying. Well, that's not by a dialect. There's, there's a dialect. Well, I'm not going to throw any stones there. Great to, to chat with you. And finally, it's Christine, and thanks for 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 bailing me out because that's what oh, you did. God, I'm with guests to say I you out now. Bailing me out. No, no, brilliant to chat with you. Very interesting, Christine. No. Uh, well, I'm just getting ready to go to the gym to give myself a bit of punishment here. <laughs> to, 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 yeah, well, I do that all. The, that's why I go running. You see, it's because of the things I, I eat. And my son Darren, he runs yeah. as well. No. Because I've got to pay the penance for the things I eat that I shouldn't eat. Christine, brilliant to chat with you. That was Christine in Limavady in Derry. There is no such place on God's green earth as Londonderry. There isn't. Does annoy me when they refer to Londonderry on radio or on telly. But anyway, we've got Cartman on the line. Welcome. How are you? Stuart, are you there, Stuart? Yes, it's you. Hello? I'm probably calling you by the wrong name. Can you hear me? Hello? Ah, uh, we can't. It's, it's, it's all gone P-Tong again. It's all gone a bit P-Tong. What can you do? I think we're off to God's country again. I think we're off to Ireland this time. Caller, welcome. Who am I speaking with? Hi, Richie. It's uh, Brian here from Kildare. How you doing, Brian and Kildare? I think we spoke once before, Brian. No, you didn't. Have we not? Somebody in Kildare. I think I have definitely spoke to somebody from Kildare before. Anyway, there's a lot of Brian's in Kildare. <laughs> See, you've done me there now. You've done me proper. I'm sure there are a lot of Brian's in Kildare. Nice yeah, to. Uh, I haven't been on before. I listen to you a lot and great, great show and all the rest of it. Thanks, Brian. Okay. Nice of you to say so, pal. Well, look, you you get the floor now. So, what would you like to say? Oh, well, first of all, sorry your guest to let you down. I was looking forward to hearing that guy, but maybe maybe this one. But come. An issue. I just had a couple of things I wanted to say about it. Um, a lot of people go on, oh, why does everyone say it doesn't work and, you know, it doesn't do any good? But there is a reason, and there's a very good reason for it. Um, they had to bastardise every product 
that or every drug that could help or, or could offer some assistance. Because if they didn't, they would not have got emergency use approval for the vaccine. The story. That's that's the simple truth on that. You know. On the so iver, on when, the ivermectin. On the ivermectin. Oh, this and is good. Now, hang on, hang on, hang on. Did I understand you right? Do you think that ivermectin? Have you come to the conclusion that it doesn't work? For COVID, because no, it's no. been tampered with, or it does. I, to, well, to be to be straight up, I don't have any expertise. Number one, yeah. But doing a bit of research on the whole issue of giving uh, authorization, emergency authorization, use to vaccines. If there is something in existence which can be used to treat something, then it's not possible to invoke emergency use authorization for a vaccine. Very good. Do you get me? I get you one hundred percent now. Yeah. If if you know people. Everybody knows that this stuff um, does what it does. Sure, it won a Nobel Prize. Um, it was given usage uh, by the FDA, ivermectin. It was given uh, authorization by the FDA for human use in, in whatever, I don't know, was a parasite or something like that. So that's that's the reason in a nutshell. You know, if, if, if um, it was put out that this stuff works, where would the argument have been to introduce a vaccine? Well said. It makes perfect you know? sense, yeah. 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 And, and and this hasn't just been used to treat... It, it hasn't just been used as an antiviral in the last 18 months. From my research, Not at all, it's no. been used for a years long and years time. And years. years and years. Yeah. As you said, it won the Nobel Prize in the 80s and, and doctors yeah. have been using it when people have had pretty rough viruses. Yeah, we've heard from them on, on this programme, yeah. That's a really yeah, good point. Go yeah, right ahead, I, I, you have plenty I, I, of time, go ahead. One other thing, I know you're probably pressed for time. And, Not um, at all, mate, take I your just, time. You know the saying that sometimes you have to look back to see forward? Yes. Okay, so if you do a little bit of digging on the whole um, 1918, quote, Spanish flu, unquote, pandemic, do a little bit of digging on that and you will soon see that it is widely assumed by people who witnessed those events that... Um, the majority, if not all, of the people who passed away back then were vaccine deaths from the Spanish flu vaccine. Where did you the get Spanish that from now, Brian? Where did you read that? I, okay, there's, a, there's an author called, I, I, I had meant to write all this down and bring you someday, but because you just opened them up, I said I'd chance me arm, you know, the phone lines. So there's an, an author, I don't have all the details, there's an author called E. McBean, I think it's Eleanor McBean. She witnessed 1918 uh, flu pandemic and she wrote... Couple of books. One was in 1976. Um, I might email you these details. Yeah, no worries, um, mate. I do, yeah. when, I, when I can get a chance. Um, and in 1976, they were trying to do the whole uh, swine flu pandemic in America, yeah. which this which rang alarm bells in this lady's head because she'd witnessed what went on in 1918. In 1918, uh, I don't know the exact name of the particular military barracks, but it was a particular military barracks in the US. They tested an untested uh, vaccine um, on soldiers sent them over to Europe. I think it's around 1917. Again, they came in at the end of the war. So they sent them over to Europe. They're going around all these places in Europe and there's photographs all over the place if you you do a bit of looking about about cases and deaths back then even. The same fear campaign was driven back then as now. So long story short, the soldiers come back to America. This is what this lady has written and and, and as well, uh, that it was... The soldiers come back sick with this, with the vaccines, because they had been scared shitless over where they were, so they were offered the vaccines to um, give them inoculation. 
So that's what started the spread of, of that thing. They were brought back to America. The story came out on the media. Oh, all these soldiers are coming back from places which have uh, loads of diseases and stuff. So you need to get this vaccine. So the vaccine was offered out to the public. So it was a very believable story. If you were sitting in your armchair, in, when there's no internet and, and back on media, only what you're, you're, you're looking at. And they say, look, these soldiers are coming back from war, all the dirty, diseased countries, and right. they're, they're visibly sick in front of these people, the, the loved ones coming home. Oh, I'd better go and get the vaccine. So this author wrote this book uh, detailing all these events, and basically that, according to her own uh, witness accounts, like she's a survivor because she didn't take it, you know. So Eleanor McBean. Eleanor McBean. Eleanor McBean. And wow. um, how I got it anyway, I did a, I did a search, uh, how you might find it is um, 1919 flu pandemic uh, with me. And vaccines killed. Well, 1919 vaccines flu pandemic, something like that. If you do a DuckDuckGo search maybe or something, you might get it. No doubt. And you mentioned you uh, mentioned the way. 70s there. There's another big story in the 70s. 1976. Yes. 76. Um, and that's uh, an interesting uh, time, isn't it? Because around about that time, there, there was a vaccine produced for swine flu. For swine flu, and yeah. it was immediately withdrawn after a fraction. Deaths. Yeah, yeah, a fraction of the yeah. deaths that we've seen since this vaccine rollout. And of course, there's five or six different jabs uh, for COVID. There is, but as as I say to you, you know, you need to look back to look forward. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm saying that your other people say that, but these people say that. So these people look back to 1918 and 1976 and 29, and they go right, lads. Where did we go wrong? You know, where where did we go wrong? Okay, we need to tighten up here. We need to tighten up here. You know, as as if you understand, as I'm sure you do, that these people who run the show have always run the show. Always. So they look back to their previous productions and they say, okay, guys, um, how did we get this through to the desired level? Or maybe maybe it's the case that they just do it every couple of hundred years, you know? But I'm probably going off the boil now a little no, bit. No, you're not going off the boil. Let, let, you're yeah. not. This is fascinating. I, I can't wait to get my hands on a copy of Eleanor's book and I'm going to do it immediately after I get off. Yeah. After I get off I'll, I'll mail you links later on tonight anyway. Just so do, Brian. I didn't get the actual book. I got an excerpt. Two, question, two questions for you, my friend, before I take another call. Take all the time you want to answer them. Um, yeah. Whatever happened to the concept of the fighting Irish, number one? And number two, how do you put yeah. up with... I know the BBC and Sky are bad. I know they are. But they yeah. pale when compared to RTE, the national broadcaster of our country in propaganda. What happened to the Fighting Irish and how do you put up with the media right. back home? I'm guessing you don't watch it. I don't know. Um, the Fighting Irish, I had a thought again one evening recently about the whole Fighting Irish. And as you know yourselves, we're, we're great. I don't drink, but we're a great country for the booze. Yeah. And um, I have this thing in the back of my head that is it the case that we think we're the Fighting Irish? that we are an oppressed nation that were kept down for 800 years. We did, we were the, 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 the originators of what people have done in the apartheid Africa and everything else, circling around the rules and stuff like that. I don't think it's a lot for us to fight. And even if you look at the fight that happened back then, if, if this is where the fighting Irish is supposed to have come from, um, that fight, you know, has a lot of question marks over it, the whole 1916 thing. But let's not get into that. I just had this thing that maybe we're not the fighting Irish. Maybe we're just great storytellers, you know. Maybe. Shanachies, the fight maybe Irish, great Shanachies, you know, maybe great musicians. Know, it, it, yeah. We we talk we talk about the over here well no. And uh, you know, you, you, the RTE thing I had a chuckle because I got rid of every bloody T V subscription I ever had in two thousand sixteen. Um I was fascinated by the two thousand nine Lisbon Treaty 
that was switched me off television. If you remember back then, if you were, you probably weren't here, but oh, I followed it. I was in I was in Spain. I yeah. followed it diligently because I was involved. But when I was working at WLRFM in Waterford, I was there when yeah. we were when we were dealing with Nice, of course. Uh, so yeah, I was okay. watching it. Yeah. Well, it was it was the whole balance of the the debate. You know? Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. Completely skewed as as it always is, but but little things like that opened my eyes and I just turned off. I, I like you, I don't vote anymore. There's absolutely no point. There's no opposition anywhere, you know, to, to what's going on now anyway. If you look at the United Nations General Assembly uh, speeches on YouTube over the last couple of weeks, which have about, like, Ireland has 700 views, nobody watches these things. This is the place, these are the places where, where these guys stand up and say, right, this is what we're doing. Climate change, climate change, climate change. We are above target, everything else. And uh, no cars by 2030. Every one of them nearly said that, yeah. you know. But that's not being reported in our media, all this Agenda 2030 stuff that's going on. There's so much going on, and, and there's, so, there's so little to be achieved by looking at any media, um, mainstream media. There's so little to be achieved by, uh, you know, I, I might get, get bombarded for this, but protesting, I don't believe in, you know. There's only, like, the, the protests we had in July, I watched it live, I found a, a Polish guy who had some live feed on it. And there was an opportunity where people were in a position to seize power. They didn't. They were steered away by an insider, led away from from where they could have of of taken power, and that was the end of it. That opportunity will probably not come back now for a long, long time. You know, so uh, that people went back around to the the Liffey and started playing bloody guitars, and it was a couple of people with loudspeakers and things like that having a great old time. You know, this is when uh, this is when large groups of people used. gathered outside the venue where they were. Um, the complex which which our guys rent yeah, a massive money yeah, because I remember this. they want to socially distance and virtue signal all day yeah, long yeah, yeah. Um, on, on top of their salaries which they don't deserve it's the so same all, all these people in, in this country which I can speak for every single politician in Ireland um, down to the lowest level should be uh, gotten rid of by, by a, a lawful means by the people and be banned from uh, ever running in, in any election campaign ever again at the very least. Exile you know, That's notwithstanding any, any criminal charges which may come out of this because every politician um, who has supported what's gone on to, to, to the people in our countries need to be held on the media, you know. But anyway, that's gone well off the boil. You were asking about five marriages. You haven't, you haven't gone off the boil at all. It's been a fantastic yeah. call, Brian. You've, you've, uh, you, you've articulated brilliantly what's going on in Ireland, and I agree with you. Exile, I would, I would say, exile them. I, I when I preach non-violence, yeah. I do mean it. Don't be going around. I yeah. say to my listeners, don't be going around hitting people. Absolutely. Ian Duncan yeah. Smith was assaulted in Manchester. Of course, the crazy truthers will say it was a false flag. It wasn't a false flag. A group of drunk idiots hit him over the head with a traffic cone. Yeah. Don't be doing that crap. Don't be doing it. No, that, if, that's only going to give get them an excuse to bring in the martial law. Absolutely, which is what they want to do anyway. They're they're looking at yeah. bringing the military in to drive trucks now. As you well know, I don't have to tell you that. Look, it's it's gone so far in so short a time. My head is still yeah. uh, spinning, Brian. I might try and get one quick call on. Can I just thank you for phoning up, mate? It's been a brilliant call, and I can't wait to get a look at that book by Eleanor McBean about the Spanish flu yeah. because I know very little about that. I need to educate myself. So thanks. Okay. I've mailed you a couple of times. Just you were saying were you talking before, but I have mailed you a couple of times. I understand you can't get back, but I'll flick you on a mail with those details about her in it. I look out um, for it, Brian. Later on tonight, and you'll probably get it in the morning. Th- thanks, Brian. That was brilliant. That was Brian in uh, Kildare, by the way. Two fantastic calls, Brian in Kildare and Christine in Limavady. Probably got time for one more. 
Uh, I haven't heard back from uh, Dr. Judge Rui Castro, who was due to be on the programme earlier. Bit of a shame that he invited himself on the programme. And he's doing some interesting things in Portugal. He might have a good excuse for not being there, but I don't like not getting a heads up. It is live radio after all. And they know these people that I don't have producers to chase them around. But anyway, maybe we'll get the guy on the programme next week. Caller, you are live. Welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hello, Richard. Robert. Robert, how are you? Welcome. I'm very well. I'm very honoured to be speaking to you at long last after some years of of listening to you. Well, thanks. The the honour is mine. Now, we've got about four minutes, my friend, so the floor is yours. What would you like to say, Robert? Well, I'll I'll try to be unusually concise. Um, (laughs) Go ahead. As a a British Jew, um, I was very, very uh, interested in the uh, Shelley from yesterday and her father. Yeah. And the sad uh, situation he's in. And, um, you know, while I, I feel a lot of irritation with a lot of the ignorance and the, uh, disin- the misinformation, is it mis... Just dropped out a bit there, Robert, but I think you're still there. Just lost you momentarily. Sorry, Sorry I moved slightly. The, 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 this building's not got a very good reception. My apologies. I'll try and stay still. Not at all, so, yeah. So you heard Shelley on yesterday. You you sympathise with her dad being in the position he's in. I do, genuine. I mean, really, it's it's heartfelt, and and he's he's as much a victim of the times, the 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 ridiculous and the the snowflakes, the snowflake times that we live in, as as his own imprudence. Um, although I, I should say that I don't know specifically what he said. Can I do a 20-second interjection here? Robert yeah, is sure. talking about Graham Hart. Graham is a, a radio presenter of many years. He's in jail for 32 months uh, because he was found guilty of inciting hatred against Jewish people. Um, he, over a period of years in broadcast, he made comments about the Jews as a group, as a race. And Shelley... Uh, who doesn't necessarily agree with what Graham was saying, I certainly don't agree with it, was on to talk about the fact that he shouldn't be in jail, but she did concede that he did incite violence. He did talk about what should be done with the Jews, and that's not good and that's not right. He's wrong. He's wrong. He's wrong. Of course he's he's wrong. um, He's morally wrong, which is is the... That really should be the the beginning and the end of the matter, ideally. He's morally wrong and he he shouldn't have said that he shouldn't have even been thinking or feeling that, but he. But well, to incarcerate him, Robert, for an opinion—it's ridiculous, ridiculous, yeah, uh, and, and completely self-defeating from the point of view of if you want to uh, stop more misinformation and disinformation from following the yeah. the, the, the Jews around. We're we're in a um, theory, we're 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 in a very dangerous. Do, do you know what's happening now? You can say. He's morally wrong. And and I can say he's morally wrong and we agree on that. And we agree that he shouldn't be incarcerated. But by saying what you've just said there, you put yourself potentially, not, not tonight, but you potentially put yourself in a position where you can be destroyed by the woke because you're not supposed to have a level-headed, you know, reasoned, considered opinion about that. You're not supposed to say it's wrong to target Jews and suggest that they be, you know, um, I don't know if he said, you know, rounded up or whatever he said, but he shouldn't be jailed for that. You can't even say that these days. Well, well, we must do. 
We must yeah. do it. And in fact, very soon we'll have no choice but to do it because the way things are going, unfortunately, um, there'll, there'll be no possibility of sitting on the wall uh, yeah. or on the fence. I mean, you, you obviously figured that out some years ago and, you, you know, you've, you've incurred all, all the, um, the sort of dangers and the, the, the inconveniences and trouble that goes with that. But, you know, for, for anybody who's listening to your show and who's been listening to your show knows, knows you. They obviously, we obviously have a community of feeling here. doesn't mean we agree on everything, but no. we agree on the, on the, the fundamentals here. And nuance and, as well, and, Robert. We, we, we understand what nuance is. Everything, yes, all the yes. things we discuss, they're not black and white. Everything has got massive shades of grey, um, copious amounts of grey. But but something is moving us towards a place where there absolutism, where there is an absolute answer to everything. When of course there isn't. We we didn't grow up like that. We knew that there was no absolutes. That there were opinions and conjectures and feelings and. And we never got bogged down too much with that. But these days, my God, we've got 60 seconds left. I'll give you the 60 seconds if you want to make another point, Robert. I wish there was longer, but I've got to get out to, to wrap it up, yeah. Well, well, just to really encourage you to, to continue, I know you will anyway. Um, I, I would also encourage your, um, your listeners to support you financially and, and obviously morally and carrying on listening to you. I made a very modest uh, uh, contribution um, a couple of weeks ago and I, I hope to in the future well, Thanks for that Robert um, There's no such thing as just, modest by the way there, and I'm not uh, th- I'm not patron there is no such thing no. as modest anybody who takes the time to, to support a show like this it's not modest it's a wonderful thing and without it we wouldn't be speaking here now you and me so I'm, well, I'm so I'm, grateful I'm, for that I'm doubly I'm doubly glad but just, just to finish by saying that, that, that there's I've felt this I've realised that there's no, there's no place on the wall anymore and no. one has to come down where one feels and where one knows one is treading on terra firma, which is the truth. I agree with you. I agree with or you. Truth. That's where we are, truth, especially in this yeah. situation when they want to usher in this great reset, this, this transhumanist post-human society that they've got planned for us. Robert, I swear, I wish, I'm going to make a note of your number, my friend. And okay, next time we do a right. phone in and I see that number flashing up, I'm going to get you on for a longer chat. Thanks for supporting the programme. And thanks for your kind <laughs> words, mate. And have a lovely rest Anytime. of your evening. Thanks, Robert. That was uh, the lovely Robert. Thank you, Robert. Uh, Speaking to us, um, I didn't even find out where Robert was calling from. That's it for the programme. Thanks. Only three calls. We only did it because I couldn't um, connect with uh, the Portuguese judge there in Lisbon. So we'll see what happened there. We might get him on because I know there was a lot of interest in that call. So I'll I'll reach out to his... uh, people who reached out to me to get him on anywho I'll speak to you again on Sunday morning this coming Sunday morning at the usual time of 10 o'clock for Sunday morning melodies that's a completely different show to this we'll have a bit of fun with a few tunes a few stories raising songs and stories until next time bye from me bye now bye now